Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek Picard actress Peyton List. The worst possible thing that can happen to us is for everyone to look and talk and act and think alike. And it is my extreme pleasure to welcome our guest host today, actor Robert Picardo. Welcome. Thank you, Trent. Thank you for having me. I feel like we should put legend by your name. Yes, Mr. Picardo. Also, I keep wanting to call you Mr. Picardo. Do I have permission to call you Robert? You please call. You can call me, you can call me Bob. You can call me... Uh, the, they call me Doc. Um, uh, uh, listen, no, Doc. It. Listen, Doc. Bob. We'd love. To, we'd love to give you first crack at this quote. Your interpretation or impression. Well, it really embodies Star Trek's hallmark of inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. By definition, demands uh, creatures of all different types and backgrounds. And if you if you are judged for the content of your character and not by the way you look, or the race, or the alien species you are part of, truly, if it's really about you as a unique individual, then we celebrate diversity. The mm-hmm. that the worst thing in the world would be for all of us to look alike and to think alike. Uh, because you don't progress as a civilization. You don't have new ideas. You don't have new technologies. You don't have new science if everybody thinks the same way. So he's here, Gene is celebrating diversity, celebrating out-of-the-box thinking, mm-hmm. and celebrating all of our differences that make us unique and make us give us each a different perspective and, and something different to bring to the table. I could listen to you read the phone book, sir. <laughs> that voice is just so golden and beautiful. With this quote, I almost get the sense that um, Mr. Roddenberry was prophesizing the rise of the Kardashians and not the Kardashians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only because, listen, I was young and I wanted to wear all the fashion of the time. You mm-hmm. know, when I was, uh, Rob, Bob, you remember the 80s, right? I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I just quibble with you saying you were young. Ah, I, <laughs> I appreciate that, <laughs> sir. But I'm saying I get wanting to look like, to borg it out and wanting to be like everyone else. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yet I love this quote because I often think if I were to find my husband finally, he cannot be just like me. He must mm-hmm. be different. How else mm-hmm. will I learn? How else will I grow if I have another loud mouth 
right. person next to me. I need someone. So when I look at a quote, you need like someone this, old and bald <laughs> and wise, <laughs> don't, with a beautiful don't, voice that you love listening to. Don't tempt me, sir. <laughs> I do. Um, but when I look at this quote, Trent, don't you agree? Like the mm-hmm. worst possible thing is for us to all be similar, and yet when we are. 18, 19, 20, all we want to do, a lot of us, is be just mm-hmm. like everyone else. So yeah. do you think that comes with age, Trent, that we kind of oh, realize? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think Robert uh, touched on it when he talked about growth. When we're young, there's a comfort in finding people who are very much like you because you feel safe in your little group. But as you grow, you realize that you're not, like you said, you're not learning new things. Like, I am of a certain age into my 40s and I love music and I could spend the rest of my life listening to the same music that I've always listened to and never get tired of it. But there's no growth there. And I really, really appreciate when I make new friends. A lot of times they're much younger than me. uh, And I'm always curious to hear what they're listening to because their perspectives on what's you know great music, I might not even pay attention to because I'm so stuck in my, you know, thing by the music I already listened to. So variety is the spice of life. And that's exactly what this quote speaks to. It's true. And, and Robert, Bob, I'm going to call you Bob, Bob. <laughs> you, you pointed out when you were saying earlier that it could be many things from diversity to race, mm-hmm. to this, to that. Anything that strikes you the most that we are being a little too homogenous about these days? Well, I want to pick up uh, in, I want to answer your question, but pick up a little bit of what you, both you and Trent said about when you're younger, you want to belong to the group. You want to, you want to dress a certain way, have an identity because the, the fear, I think it's because of the fear of being the outsider, fear of being bullied. If you are, if you appear to be, uh, too different from the quote popular kids in the class or whatever, there's the chance that they will pick on you for, the way you dress or how tall mm-hmm. you are or how masculine or feminine you seem or whatever. And Star Trek traditionally uh, celebrates the other, the outsider, the, the heroic mm-hmm. characters like Mr. Spock, who aspire to be humans because they're half human in his case and half Vulcan, mm-hmm. but they're outside of humanity. They have a different perspective. They seem strange because they are unemotional. They don't have mm-hmm. what we consider to be a uh, an acceptable human reaction in a certain situation because of, in, in Spock's case, his lack of emotion. For whatever reason, you draw conclusions about others that that set them apart from you, that make you fear them, that make you feel that they are not, you know, that they're not part of your group and they somehow threaten you. That fear mm-hmm. of the outsider is the other side of the coin of this quote. If we are, if the reason it's the worst thing, if we all look alike and think alike, is because when someone comes along who's not like that, then we will fear them and perhaps even try to stop, to mute them and possibly even destroy them because they threaten our alikeness, our sameness, our uniformity. And that's why there's a certain amount of uh, fear in certain sections of our country as we no longer become, we're right at the tipping point in the next few years where we will, we will mm-hmm. no longer be a uh, majority Caucasian country. We are going to be <laughs> a 
and I celebrate it, a completely diverse country. We will not have more than 50% of any one kind of ethnic racial group. So well, I'm, this... I'm glad you're not scared of it because I always think of like the 90s movies, like uh, white rage movies, like falling mm-hmm. down and I'm an angry white man. Mm-hmm. And and there were that was the beginning, I think, those 90s-ish movies of consciousness of, oh, we're shifting and and how do I feel as a white man, and I'm obviously not speaking for me, Rachel, but, but <laughs> as a white man, how do I feel with the shifting climate that's going on? And so to that end, Bob, I have met quite a few white men who complain to me about the changes, mm-hmm. which is ironic because they're complaining to me, a black, a mixed black Jewish woman. But at the same time, I actually understand that change yeah. is difficult, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I actually have more empathy for the white man's struggle than you, maybe because I was raised by one. But <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that you are, you know, welcoming of it as opposed to filled with fear, right? Uh, because this quote speaks to that. Yes. Well, I'm an old white guy. Another old white guy might be a 10th or 12th generation American who can trace his lineage back to the Mayflower. I'm a second generation born in America, Italian American. So I, all four of my grandparents came over from the poor Southern Italy uh, looking for a new life here. So I still identify, you know, at some deep part, I, I still identify myself as a newcomer. Uh, to America uh, that has given me all of this wonderful opportunity. But I was an outsider and I was welcomed by this country. And and I still but I still have enough of that, you know, sort of um, what, what do you you know, that sort of deep subconscious awareness of having recently been the new guy on the block. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's an East Coast thing? Because I'm an East Coaster, Robert, and it seems to me we, we hold on to a little bit of not just whiteness, but your ethnicity on the East Coast. Like people know they're Irish or Italian. And so they're like, I'm proud to be Irish. And I'm like, that's amazing. But then, you know, here on the West Coast, people are like, I'm white and I'm proud. And I'm like, that's different. Yeah. It's yeah. not the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't answer that, but I have had that experience. I mean, I do have that experience that I feel that yeah, certainly among uh, ethnic groups on the East Coast, like, uh, you know, the, uh, the Irish Americans, Italian Americans, we we do, you know, I, I, I identify 100% as an American, but I do eat I eat, uh, I certainly eat more Italian food than I eat cheeseburgers <laughs> or toasted cheese sandwiches or whatever, whatever the heck American food is. So, <laughs> Rob, you went to Yale, is yes. that correct? Um, were, how many Italian Americans were there at the time at Yale or was it pretty um, Anglo-Saxon? I would say, uh, I mean, Yale has had a f- reasonably good history, I think, for foreign students. There were a lot of, there were not enough women. I can certainly tell you that. Mm. I was there this second or third year. Yale was, uh, <laughs> you noticed, I you certainly noticed did. There was a, there, we, we only had, a, a, um, I think I was only the third undergraduate year where uh, since coeducation. Oh, wow. So, uh, so there was she, definitely, wow. she must've been very popular. <laughs> <laughs> there were, uh, in, in any case, to answer your question, Yale, I think, had a certain amount of diversity in the student body, but there were also there were also the students that you felt were what we call legacy students, like my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Then you know the the the, the George W. Bush uh, syndrome, 
you know, all of my family came to Yale. <laughs> uh, I was not like that. My, my father didn't graduate high school because he was the oldest of four children and his father died in the last pandemic in uh, 1918. Wow. So he had to support the family and drop out of school. So I, wow. I'm not a Yale legacy student. I was, uh, you know, I felt very aware of the fact that I, I had gotten there not on family history, but by working my ass off in high school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so with this quote, did it make you feel like you were outside of some of the other students or no, or were they no, welcoming? I, no, I definitely did. Listen, when I was in college, I had hair like yours, Rachel. I had what we used to call a, a, a dago fro. I had an Italian I had this <laughs> mass of curly. Listen, I'm from I'm from Manhattan. I know you Italian boys. I know how hot I had you guys. such a head of hair, you wouldn't believe it. I remember when my started to lose my hair, my mother said, Well, you've had enough hair for one lifetime. <laughs> but but I do specifically remember going to uh, in my Yale singing group, uh, they have undergraduate singing groups that lead into the Whiffenpoofs, the most famous, mm. you know, acapella singing group at Yale. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. I had this giant head of hair and a, and a deep Florida tan when we were we were in some very wealthy, very white community in Florida, and uh, our band was we were brought in through the kitchen, and one woman asked one of the other uh, obviously white guys in our group said the one with the curly hair. What is his parentage? <laughs> so I was. But you know. <laughs> but what's nice is you're so different from the rest of the of the group that you really stood out. And how like boring would it have been if everyone looked the same? You wouldn't have even stood out. Well, thank God I next year that. our group got its first official African American, not just <laughs> not just a guy who with a dark tan could pass, right? So um, Bob, I dated an Italian guy from Italy for for quite a while. We're still we're still very good friends, and he showed me a picture of his grandma who was darker than me. Wow. I mean, she was an Italian lady, yeah. I guess. Wink, I'm wink. I'm telling you, that, the <laughs> yeah, that, that boot of Italy is very close to North Africa. There's a, a lot, lot of, of a lot yes. of fraternization going on. Well, I think that's where your fro might have come a little bit from. <laughs> but no, I am I mean, I think it was an interesting time for you to be coming up because I think had you been maybe just a hair earlier, it, things might have been a little bit different mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. even you because people forget uh, for listeners out there or younger, sometimes you forget that it's not just white, black or black Spanish right. or white this. Yep. It's it's within each group, within each ethnic group has its own thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then if you happen to be more Italian, a little more ethnic, right? Yep. Someone's going to ask your parentage, mm -hmm. the white Doyan is going to say, that is other. Right. But if it that were Gene different. Roddenberry asking the question, he wouldn't point to the one person who looked different. He'd point to everyone else and say, why do all you look alike? Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a perfect point to wrap up on. We're very lucky that we have Bob, my new friend, Bob <laughs> Picardo, for, for a few more episodes. Trent, tell the people where they can watch the video. Yes, if you want to see video of today's quote being read, you can check it out on all of the Roddenberry official social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join us again tomorrow where Bob will be back as our guest on Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. 
and me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.